Executive orders on federal employment and vigorous union opposition to them appear to have poisoned relations between federal unions and the Trump administration beyond antidote. Is there any way out? For some long-term perspective, we turn to Bob Tobias, professor in the key executive leadership program at American University. He spoke with Tom Temin. And I guess, Bob, the latest is that the injunction on those executive orders will be gone. The appeals court said, sorry, the first court had no jurisdiction. So basically, these executive orders stand for now. Where do the unions, where do employee relations go now from here? Well, I think the heart of this ruling means that federal employees, individual federal employees, will not be able to have their grievances or their issues addressed or resolved unless they represent themselves. Because the amount of time that the union representatives have available to represent them is, will be significantly reduced. And the scope of bargaining, that is the ability to resolve um, systemic issues, will be limited. So it's going to be left to federal employees acting alone instead of federal employees having the ability to activate, to act collectively, that's going to, what's going to happen in the workplace. So effectively, it takes away or reduces their right to counsel, in effect, because the union, they weren't necessarily lawyers, but they did have people whose job it was to take care of these things on their behalf. That's correct. So employees will have to either hire their own representatives, their own lawyers to represent them, or... Um, their issues will go unresolved. And I think that's going to be have a very adverse impact on the workplace because the issues are not going to go away just because they can't be addressed. The issues aren't going to go away. They're going to fester. They're going to be the subject of discussion in the workplace. And as a result, people are going to be focusing on their issues and their problems and not on addressing the problems to implement what they need to do in the workplace. And the other piece of the executive orders that were enjoined but but are not now concerned how long people can be on probation or how long the agency has to give them to improve performance for someone that's not on probation anymore but is just, in the agency's view, deemed a poor performer. Now, it seems like the executive order takes the agencies back to what is statutorily required, but much less than what they were allowed under discretion under the law. That's correct. Uh, Many of the um, programs allowed a period of 90 days or 120 days to improve once they were put on what's called a performance improvement plan. The executive order says um, 30 days. I suggest to you that 30 days is not enough time to prove that I can improve my performance, particularly when we're talking about knowledge workers and not production line workers. If I'm a production line worker in 30 days, I can prove that I'm gonna do better or not. But if I'm involved in a project where I have to do research and analyze and write something, 30 days is not enough time. Or if you're running a program and you won't know programmatic results maybe for six months or sometimes at the end of the year when it's all added up, did the program perform as I promised, that kind of thing. So maybe maybe a year in some cases, or let's see what happens a year from now or nine months from now. Correct. Um, but even if you create um, intermediate milestones, 30 days is not enough time to prove that you have uh, turned around your behavior. And more importantly, that once the behavior is turned around, that it's had a positive impact on your results. 
We're speaking with Bob Tobias, professor in the key executive leadership program at American University. What about the surveys that show that federal employees often feel that those poor performers are not dealt with properly? That is not management saying that, but colleagues. Isn't there some perhaps measure of improvement in morale when the good performers feel that the bad ones are taken care of more quickly? I think that's a very significant problem in the federal workplace. But arbitrarily reducing the amount of time to improve performance isn't going to fix poor performance. What's going to fix poor performance is leaders, supervisors who are trained how to handle poor performers, that is how to have conversations about dealing with poor performers, and then once they recommend action that they're truly supported by um, their bosses and their bosses' bosses to take action against poor performers. That has nothing to do with regulations, but more to do with training and will. All right. So there's a lot for the employees to be crabby about. And probably some managers aren't not too happy with this necessarily because the senior executive service is also part of these executive orders. So if you are a senior executive now and this looks like it's going to be the law of the land, at least until a possible change in administration and you know, one party comes in, another one goes out, and the executive orders tend to be turned around. But presuming this is the way things are for a while, what do you do? How do you how do you operate when you know that people are really upset about what's been happening? Well, I, I think that the only way that you can successfully work is to work informally with union leaders um, and try to address problems as best you can. Um, under the radar is the best way to... to weather this storm. Yeah. In other words, if you're operating in an agency, especially far from Washington or a bureau, maybe not a headquarters office, you probably can have a lot more discretion, as you say, under the table than might be allowed by pen and ink statutes and and executive orders. Or pen and ink statutes or collective bargaining agreements, because now the collective bargaining agreements are going to be controlled by the Office of Management and Budget. So there are going to be certain provisions that are, the goal is, that appear across the 2.0 million federal employees. But what I do in Dubuque, what I do in Des Moines, is unknown to those who write something that's supposed to apply to 2 million people. Yeah, we sound like subversives here, I think, a little bit. But if something is no longer the purview of union management bargaining per executive order, that doesn't mean you can't talk to the union members or to the rank and file anyway about that particular aspect or provision. That is correct. I can I, I can initiate conversations with employees whether or not they're union leaders, to solve the problems in the work. It sounds like agencies don't necessarily, under this new plan, have to really accept a drop in federal employment viewpoint survey scores. Well, I think that... Because people work for their boss locally. They don't feel like they uh, are responding to the survey in relation to the whole federal government. I think it depends at the leaders in Washington, the, um, the political appointees, the career leaders and the tone that they set. If they make it so difficult and so um, appear so subversive, if I have these informal discussions, they won't occur. If they um, look the other way, then these discussions will occur. I guess political appointees would have the same discretion. They don't have to come in with the attitude of taking names and kicking butt and that kind of thing. They can come in and say, look, 
let's try to get something together done here. Um, they don't have to, but my guess is that most will. Bob Tobias is a professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. And listen to the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.